This is the woman behind the business, featuring honest dialogue that advances and inspires women entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Angel Livas. This week on The Woman Behind the Business, where beauty meets beast. You know me, I'm your host, Angel Livas, and today we have two powerhouse ladies who can boost your company's performance and profitability. For a long time, people equated beautiful women as being just that, something pretty to look at, but left much to be desired in areas of intellectual stimulation. Today, we have a number of women who gracefully prove that ignorant theory wrong. Today, one of those women is in studio with me. Former reigning Miss Black America 2014, Alexandra Morton, is also an award-winning business owner. She has been recognized twice at the United Nations as an Impact 100 Award nominee, which highlights American entrepreneurs under 35, with companies grossing $100,000 or more. Her firm, Morton Consulting Group, works with startups and their founder to achieve their business or objectives through business planning and financial resources. As a 500 startup alum, she's a startup and entrepreneurship enthusiast and proudly gives back to the community as a Kaufman Fast Track facilitator. Welcome to the show, Alexandra. Thank you so much for having me. So just to be fully transparent, like Alexandra sits on the board of directors for the woman behind the business. So I'm elated to have you in studio. Finally, I'm glad our, our schedules were able to align. Now, I named the show Beauty and the Beast because that's what I think of when it comes to you. You're beautiful, but you're a beast when it comes to how you handle your business. So do you think that your strong sense of self is intimidating to other people? Um, sometimes, um, it took me a while to get to a place where I was confident in myself, um, and the endeavors that I wanted to pursue. I think that how someone perceives you or receives you as a person has nothing to do with you and everything to do with them. So, um, it's taken me a while just to be comfortable Mm -hmm. in that sense and not caring about what people think about me. And so how'd you get to that point though? Um, Pageantry, like you said, I was um, a former reigning Miss Black America, just in case people don't know what the Miss Black America system is. um, We were the first pageant system, national pageant system founded for women of color due to the direct discrimination of um, black women and women of color in mainstream systems like the Miss America system and Miss USA system. So we were founded in 1968 as an act of protest to give black women a platform and a voice to um, showcase themselves. So um, pageantry definitely was a way for me to um, develop for personal development and to find and cultivate my voice. Now, what was that experience like? I mean, Um, Being in a pageant, I remember um, in high school, I was Miss uh, Farmington Hills. (laughs) For my city. (laughs) My little city in Michigan. Um, But for you, I mean, that's a a much larger platform. Like, what did it mean to you and what was your reasoning for entering? So, um, when I I won my local title in 2011, it was the first pageant that I had ever participated in. I didn't have a coach. So um, I was using YouTube. 
I could barely walk in heels. I was struggle ankles for real. <laughs> like I was like a giraffe that was just born, like trying to figure this out. It was a hot freaking mess. <laughs> but, um, you know, through practice and um, really wanting to go after like I thought that the history of the system was so significant for me a lot of people don't know like Oprah Winfrey was a Miss Black Tennessee she's a billionaire who doesn't want to be like Oprah Winfrey mm-hmm. um, Kathleen Bradley she was the first Barker's Beauty African American Barker's Beauty for The Price is Right mm-hmm. and um, she's done a lot of um, groundbreaking work in the realm of entertainment for African Americans um, Bernadette Stannis mm-hmm. she participated in our teen system so there are a lot of notable African American women that I wanted to be a part of their pedigree and legacy and that's why I decided to participate in the system but um, outside of that it was a way for me to get out of depression my mom had passed away the year before mm-hmm. and the mantra of the pageant of the Miss Black America system is sow the seeds of positivity reap the flowers of success so during that dark period of time in my life I was looking for anything to help pull me out of depression I wanted to hold on to any type of positive imagery of successful women mm-hmm. and um, um, that was part of the reason why I decided to pursue that as well. Wow, that's awesome. Um, especially hearing the background story of why you entered. Mm-hmm. Um, not only did you leave as a winner, um, mm-hmm. but I think you also um, had a sense of fulfillment because of why you entered into the pageant. Now, it seems that more and more millennials are breaking away from traditional careers. And I know that you know, you recent, you know, 30 year olds, you freaking, you know, into that area. Um, what made you decide to become your own boss? Um, one of the things where I'm, I was always super creative and into the arts when I was growing up. And one of the things my mom really instilled in me, she would always say, that's fine. You want to be in dance. You want to write. You want to do all these creative things. But you need to understand the business behind it. And um, it wasn't always fun, that aspect or her drilling that into me. I'm just like, I just want to be free. You know, (laughs) every artist is like that. But um, she really ingrained that into me. Um, There were lots of, I credit a lot of internship opportunities when I was in high school. So I am um, a graduate of Northwestern High School, Prince George's County. Whoop-de-whoop. But uh, go Wildcats. But um, there were there was an internship, um, the Minority Building Industry Association. They um, were backed by um, District 5 at the time, David Harrington, who is now the sitting president of the Prince George's County Chamber of Commerce. He had supported their programming. And um, that entre- that um, internship opportunity opened my eyes to um, the possibilities of being an entrepreneur and um learning a different ways to make money for yourself and work for yourself and not being pigeonholed holded to a nine to five. Now, what was your inspiration into maneuvering into the tech space? So um, I am a non-technical founder, so I don't know how to code. But what I saw was there was an opportunity there. There are lots of um, there was a need. There was a gap. 
um, there's a program in D.C. called General Assembly. Mm-hmm. Um, they they're not a traditional four year institution, but they do teach groundbreaking um, coding languages and digital strategy for people who are looking to get into tech. Mm-hmm. And um, through their programming, it piqued my interest. I always wanted to I was an entrepreneur before I became affiliated with um, General Assembly, but they really helped give me the relevant tools to break into technology and have access to different um, seed funding opportunities. Mm -hmm. Now, that's one of the things that like I absolutely love and admire about you is how eloquently you speak about investments and capital. And you always like, well, the VC venture capitalists and, you know, and there are a lot of people who don't even understand that language. Mm-hmm. So can you provide us like kind of a breakdown mm-hmm. of, you know, why would you use a venture capitalist or what's the difference between, you know, going to the bank and, you know, trying to get capital versus, you know, reaching out to an investor? Mm-hmm. Like, can you talk to us a little bit about those yeah, differences? Sh- yeah, sure. So um, there are various different ways that entrepreneurs um, raise money for their business. Um, the majority of us, especially as um, people of color and women, um Unfortunately, we are disproportionately discriminated against when it comes to financing, financing tools and receiving seed money and um, startup capital, venture capital. Um, Nine times out of 10, when entrepreneurs are starting their business, they do something that's called bootstrapping. And basically what that is, is you're using the money that you have to start your business. Um, Another resource people use is debt. So um, there are two ways that normally you're financing a business. It's with debt or with equity. Mm -hmm. Um, Equity is um, in terms of ownership, whereas debt is, um, you know, it's debt. So people use lines of credit, they get loans. Um, Outside of bootstrapping, a lot of um, entrepreneurs use debt in terms of credit cards or um, getting a business loan. Mm-hmm. Now, there are various type of business loans that people can apply for, like micro loans, which are um, like under $10,000, under not under $10,000, but normally under like $50,000, you can get micro loans. Sometimes those are subsidized by um, government entities, but um, those type of loan programs. And then you have um, seed funding where you can do a friends and, they call it friends and family round. So you're following after your uncle at the cookout like you getting that potato salad mm-hmm, this is my new business I got coming up you break me <laughs> off so um, the friends and family round you can raise money and then um, a lot of times um people can apply for seed accelerator programs. And what seed accelerator programs are designed to do are to prepare you to start raising money for your Series A, which is where you're raising your first million to um, where you're raising your first million and you're going to um, pitch to venture capitalists so that you can um, position your company for sustainable growth. Okay, so for somebody who hates finance, Mm -hmm. um, you know, talking about like raising my first million. Now, that all sounds wonderful. Mm -hmm. But is that all my money or is that being shared with, 
you know, a group of people or whoever mm-hmm. is helping? Like, how does that part of it work? Yeah. So um, normally if you're in the seed, if you're in the seed stage and you're in a seed accelerator program and you're raising money, normally you're doing that um, in exchange for equity. One of the most popular funding, one of the most popular um, tools that they're using now in seed accelerator programs for seed funding is called a um, convertible note. And what that is, basically, you're signing on. It's a it's it's a note and a, what a note denotates is that it's debt. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, that means that that money has to be paid back. But it's convertible in the sense that once your company hits a certain profitability point, mm-hmm. which is stated in the paperwork, you're no longer obligated to pay it back in terms of a note. It converts to equity mm-hmm. so that the way that it functions is they get a whatever percentage has been identified in the paperwork. That's the amount of ownership that that, that person, that person or entity has acquired okay so is this kind of like along the lines of things that morton consulting group will do and services that you're able to provide company or companies and individuals yeah so um what we do is um we help startups you know with the business planning phase so a lot of times people have come to me and they're like, oh, I want to start a business. This is what I want to do. And really what we've done is we've taken a similar approach to what Kaufman has um, done. And what I've I, what I've done as a consultant is adopt some of their um, uh, techniques just because they're. They work. They work. And not just that, you know, the Ewig Marion Kaufman Foundation is the largest entrepreneurial research foundation in the U.S. Mm -hmm. So um, a lot of their methodologies are tried and true. Mm -hmm. So that's what we do. We adopt those and um, really try to make sure the entrepreneur is taking an introspective approach because a lot of times people say, oh, I want to create a growth company when really if you take a look at the type of lifestyle design that you want for yourself, you don't really want a growth company. You don't want that pressure. You want to create a lifestyle company. Mm -hmm. So really trying to figure out what type of company style will work for the entrepreneur and then going from there. Now, what was your vision behind starting Morton Consulting Group? So, um, my vision is was to do that was to really help um, entrepreneurs um, plan and clearly articulate the vision that they have for their company and then position them to acquire the resources that they need to help them just mm-hmm. to help them go okay at the seed stage now when it comes to startups launching their business mm-hmm. what would you say are the top three things um, that they do wrong that caused them to fail? Um, the first thing I would say is failing to plan. So um, making sure that you have a business plan in place is super important so that you can identify where you need to go. Mm. Because in that business plan, your resources are identified, who your key stakeholders are identified. You're taking the time to... Um, articulate you know what matters most to you as an entrepreneur and then also to your customer base and even though you're writing this business plan it doesn't have to be set in stone but it gives you a clear map and framework of where you want to go 
And what what about number two and three? Um, number two, um, I would say um, doing your legal due diligence. Mm. So making sure that you have your trademarks in place, um, that you're filing your paperwork to make sure that you're not held out to dry or held liable for something that's small. Um, and then the third one, I would say... Um, it's time management and lifestyle eva- evaluation just because, you know, when you have a job, sometimes it's nine to five. Mm-hmm. But entrepreneurship is 24 hours. You know this. Mm-hmm. So, you um, know, I know. I know, you know. <laughs> I know because I see you out here grinding. <laughs> so, um, you know, doing a full assessment to figure out if this is really right for you, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Now, what does a typical day look like for you? Because you just said that, you know, being an entrepreneur is round the clock 24 seven. And, you know, you have Morton Consulting Group, there's work that you're still doing, and you're heavily active with um, the Miss Black America, you are, you know, a sickle cell spokesperson, you do a lot of public speaking. So how do you manage your day and your time to make sure that you still cut out time for Alexandra? Um, I have a ca- I have a calendar and I have blocks. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, this day, this day is for Morton Consulting. Between this hours and this hours, I'm going to devote to pageant stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, if I have speaking engagements or something like that, I'm trying to make sure that they're scheduled at least a month in advance so I can coordinate my schedule. And then... For business calls, I'm not taking them after a certain period of time. I'm Mm -hmm. sorry. You're going to voicemail. It can wait. (laughs) I don't care if you're texting me 10 to 15 times. Mm -hmm. 911, it is not that important. Well, I'm glad you still take my call. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I sound like like if you're not an advocate for yourself, for your wellness, and for your time, people will take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. No, I, I totally agree. All right, so... Being on the board of directors uh, for the one behind in business, Mm -hmm. what would you say is important for women and why they should be actively engaged with a women's organization? I would say um, for the sisterhood, for the camaraderie, and um, just to, from my personal experience, meeting Angel and um, seeing the work that you do, like that resonated with me. Um, one of the key things I was just talking to you about this earlier today, um, one of the key differentiators with us as a women or, women's organization, the woman behind the business is that our network, they're heavy hitters and they're accessible. A lot of times what I've experienced in um, women's organizations and women in business organizations, they'll have keynote speakers come. But guess what? After they're done giving their talking points, they're out the door. Mm-hmm. They're not accessible. You don't have that time to um, talk to them on a real one-on-one level, belly to belly. And I think that the women behind the the woman behind the business is different in that regard where you genuinely have a network of women that you can go to that you can meet with if you're having a problem with your business or you just have questions these women are accessible mm-hmm. that's that's a jewel oh well i'm glad you feel that way mm-hmm. <laughs> all right well thank you so much for being a guest um don't go anywhere we're going to be bringing in our 
next guest shortly. But before we go, I have one other question for you. Mm-hmm. When it comes to building your business um, or even, you know, starting a nonprofit, what would you say, like, for a nonprofit um, owner or founder, um, is it important to also have that that roadmap mm-hmm. for your nonprofit? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, the only difference, the only difference between a nonprofit and a for-profit entity, yes, it's the legal classification in terms of entity, but you know, you you both need a plan. Nonprofit speak, it's called strategic plan, and for-profit speak is your business plan, and you you need both. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I think sometimes people just think that your business plan is just specifically for your business, not necessarily your nonprofit. So. Okay, good to know. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so stay with us. Um, I've really enjoyed learning about the woman behind Morton Consulting Group. Now don't go anywhere because it's time for our tech break. And afterwards, Denise Miner will join us to talk about her journey to establishing MindSpring. Stay with us. It's time for this week's Tech Talk. And today I have in studio with me, Miss Jalisa Johnson, president of Secure Tag 360, bringing us information on why Starbucks is a must-have app. Why is that? Keep the line short, ladies and gentlemen. We are spending way too much time online from our desk to get a cup of coffee in the morning. Everybody has to have their fix, right? So whether it's juice or Starbucks or water or bagel, Starbucks is making a lot of money by being available in every corner Mm -hmm. of the universe for the business person. It is not there necessarily for the average Joe walking down the street. Businesses are consuming Starbucks, whether you are sitting there to have a meeting, whether you are there just to get away from your desk for a second, you're missing. Why? Mm -hmm. Because you're online for 20 minutes waiting for Starbucks. If you download the Starbucks app, you can also, number one, you can fill it with a gift card and or you can attach it to a credit card. By the time you get there, your name is sitting on a table with your beverage and you have spent less than three minutes between walking there and walking back to your desk, your Starbucks is ready. Now, like you can reserve a table in Starbucks as well? Or no, it's you're just-, just getting your food. Okay. You're getting everything a la carte to go. It's like a pre-order. So instead of spending 20 minutes online waiting and you're rushing, you're now just going and picking it up and and keeping it moving. Hmm. That's interesting. And I know people may say, well, how does this deal with business? Time is money. That ties back to your business. I don't need to spend 20 minutes standing on a Starbucks line when you break down how much is 20 minutes in an hour of your day. So if you make $100 an hour, I just spent $20 online at Starbucks. This is true. And I don't think that we can argue with you that we value our time and our time is very important. Right. Get it down to three dollars. <laughs> so that three minutes is only costing you three dollars opposed to 20 minutes costing you 20. Absolutely. I got you. All right. I have one more question. So you can um, let them know how much time you need like to get there. Or like how does it that work? It tells you that. It tells you your order will be ready in five to seven minutes. It'll tell you your order will be ready in three minutes. It tells you when your order will be ready. Okay. I, you know, 
know, I can see how that is a very beneficial app to have. So, ladies and gentlemen, make sure that you download that Starbucks app so you can have your coffee hot and ready for you instead of you waiting around in line with all those people. And having a hot attitude because it ain't ready. (laughs) All right. Well, if you want more information, visit us online at WBBTalk.com. Welcome back to the Women Behind the Business Talk Show. I'm your host, Angel Livis, and we just wrapped up a conversation with former Miss Black America, Alexandra Morton, who is also the CEO of Morton Consulting Group. Now we're ready to switch gears to building your company's performance. Denise Miner is the woman behind MindSpring Metro DC, a boutique leadership and professional development firm that works with organizations and individuals to achieve a higher level of performance. They utilize a wide array of tools, assessments, and delivery processes to garner results for their clients. Prior to launching MindSpring, Denise spent over 28 years in public service as a special agent with the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Investigation investigation. Welcome to the show, Denise. Thank you, Angel, for having me. Absolutely. Okay, so I've been dying to ask this. Okay. What was it like to be a uh, um, special agent for the <laughs> FBI? <laughs> I mean, it sounds like really cool. Like, was it? Like- it was very cool. I really enjoyed um, being an agent and working and traveling around the world and conducting federal investigations on a white collar crime is my specialty. And then I worked on counterterrorism as well as um, um, foreign counterintelligence as well. So when you say white collar crimes, like you're talking about like businesses doing like fraud and counterfeit mm-hmm. money, like that kind Bank of stuff. fraud, um, securities fraud, public corruption, um, all of those kind of things. Oh my yes. gosh. Yes. That just sounds like it would just be so much fun. It was a lot of fun. Um, I also worked on undercover operation out of Gary, Indiana. Um, it was a public corruption case. Can you tell us about it? Yes, I can tell you about like, it. Are you going to have to kill us? Or are you, are you oh, no, no, no. I won't have to kill you. Okay. It's not okay. secret, secret. In <laughs> fact, there's a court case on it because one of the subjects pleaded, um, would not plead guilty, and uh-huh. um, took, we went to trial, so there's a court case on it. It was um, the uh, police department were, were paying various businesses. They were allowing businesses to run illegal gambling, and we had to pay them. And so my responsibility was to meet with the police officers who were uh, patrolling our area and Mm -hmm. then pay them to allow us to have gambling, sell alcohol without licenses and all of those kind of things. So like the things you see in movies? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Like how long ago was this? This was in 1988 and 89. Many, many, many years ago, the FBI was just starting its undercover program, uh-huh. and um, so I was one of the first um, people under the program before it was formally established. So it was a test bed. Now, was there a lot of women in the bureau, like in um, the sector that you were working in, or was it male dominated? It was male dominated. Mm-hmm. I came in in 1986, and okay. the first females were allowed to come in in 1972. So there were a few people coming in, a few women coming in and coming in. Um, but at that time, um, there weren't that many of us. I don't have the numbers exactly, yeah, yeah, but there yeah. weren't that no. many. I know. We didn't, I know we didn't, you didn't come on and talk about the FBI, <laughs> but it's fascinating. Well, it's, it's actually what launched me and got me into the business that I'm involved in now. Which so. is training. And training, and learning, and development. Okay. And with leadership focus, but I also do professional development, mm-hmm. um, personal development as well. Mm-hmm mainly working with, as you mentioned earlier in in my bio, organizations and individuals, helping them to achieve higher levels and becoming and doing their best. 
Now, a lot of times people don't think that they need a coach. And it's funny because earlier um, on the show, Alexandra had mentioned when she first did her um, first pageant, she didn't have a coach, right? Mm -hmm. And I didn't get to ask her, well, Alex, how did you do in 2011? Like that first pageant, like was it good or did you win? Or I won my local title. Okay, you won it. Okay. Congratulations. Thank you. She was like, I ain't need a coach, but I knew better the second time. Yep. (laughs) But to that point, I think a lot of people don't realize the significance and impact of receiving coaching. Um, So what do you normally do to encourage people and let them know, like, here are the benefits to utilizing a coach? Okay, well, you are correct. People don't understand the benefits. But I actually saw the benefits of coaching when I was in the FBI. It's two years before I retired. Um, we had the leadership development program, and we were changing the, the um, culture from one of management to leadership. Mm-hmm. And I saw how they offered the coaching, and I saw how the supervisors were just eating it up and realized, wow, coaching is, is important because it, it helps us draw out what we know how we want to achieve our goals, mm-hmm. how we want a new career, or uh, how we want to better communicate. Mm-hmm. We, haul, we have all that in us, but when coaching is, is, is involved in helping us, we, a, a professional coach can draw the things out and help you make decisions and plan right. and meet your goals. It, and it's so true because when you're involved in the weeds of managing the business, mm-hmm. running the business, mm-hmm. making sure payroll is met and mm-hmm. all of those mm-hmm. um, important things to have a sustainable business, mm-hmm. sometimes you know you should be doing certain things and you have it in your mind like, oh, if I just had a little bit more time, I would be able to structure this or outline mm-hmm. this. Mm -hmm. So do you also help them with their organizational um, planning to ensure that they have the time to allocate appropriately? Absolutely. It's time management Mm -hmm. and having different programs to help individuals to set their goals, meet their time obligations and do what they need to do at certain times. Mm -hmm. So when you say programs, are these like software programs or are these like your training programs that you work with them individually on? My training programs that I work with them individually. Okay. um, And different tools, coaching tools and techniques. Okay, now you're going to have to give up the goods. Like you got (laughs) to give me some type of coaching tool. Like what is something that, you know, you find most often with uh, the people that you work with is kind of like, almost mandatory that everybody kind of needs most of the, oh, most of my coaching practices uh, is involved practice involves uh, communication being able to effectively communicate mm-hmm. that's the number one thing okay most individuals don't understand their impact on others and how to communicate effectively mm-hmm. and it's usually when uh, a supervisor or a head p- part of a company uh, calls will call me in because the individual doesn't is not aware of how they impact other individuals right, right. and they're not um, inspiring individuals or mm-hmm. inspiring their team they're not connecting with their teams right if anything they're probably um, intimidated by them and just want to avoid them altogether yes okay yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I, I know some people that, like that. that that's the main you know <laughs> the main point and I also want to say that coaching when companies call for coaching I prefer to say coaching helps an individual but it shouldn't be used as a way to get rid of people mm-hmm. or just say oh you have a problem so therefore we're going to coach you coaching should be as an a tool yeah. as an enhancement to anyone 
um, not just a tool to just say, you know, a, uh, I would want this a disciplinary tool. Right. So what was your passion and motivation behind becoming a coach? Like, I know you said in the FBI, you kind of saw how it worked, but now you've taken it to a whole nother level and launched your own company or this is what you do exclusively. Well, yes, because I saw how coaching was helping the individuals there. And then when I decided to hire a couple of coaches, <laughs> I saw what kind of improvement I made mm-hmm. in my business and advancing in and how um, I planned my business and doing certain things. And it was like, wow, I saved a lot of time mm-hmm. by having coaches. Now I had two, one was for a leadership coach and one was for my business. And it was just amazing the leaps and bounds and um, improvements that I made in my business and being able to be an entrepreneur was very, very helpful. Now, I feel like there are so many people who say, I do this, this is what I'm skilled at. What are some things that we should look for when trying to select a coach? And and being that you've actually gone through the process, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what were some of the things that you use as evaluation tools to decide, hey, this is the coach that's right for me? What I decided to do was I needed to work with someone who could help me actually become a coach mm-hmm. and get the business started. Mm-hmm. And so I looked for a person, you know, individuals and various coaches and talked to various people who gave referrals. And after talking to people and saying, this is what I want, who do you know that can, you know, fill this need that I have? Mm-hmm. And then a leadership coach, in order to, for me, in order to be a leader, you need to understand yourself and who you are first. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, okay, I need a leadership coach because I want to be able to cultivate my leadership skills internally so that I can become a leader in my field, in, in my community, and in the companies that I work with and the individuals that I work with. Now, how long are these coaching programs? Because, I mean, I, I feel like it should not be something that's indefinite, but how long does it typically take before people will start to see the benefits of the coaching that they're going through? Well, what I what I read and what I've heard and what I do, it's mm-hmm. usually a minimum of 90 days. Okay. It takes time to change behavior. We all know when we try to, let's say, diet or we try to do something or work out, um, you know, maybe we can do it one or two days, but with the coach, there's that accountability part. Mm. And the coach holds the coach, the client accountable. Um, if you do, it's usually every other week. Sometimes um, some programs and some packages have you every week. Mm. Usually it's every, two, every, every other week so you can have time. Because a lot of the work and improvements in an individual happens in between the coaching sessions. Mm. So a minimum of... I would say 90 days, and then there's there's for uh, executive coaching, it's usually the minimum of um, six months because you really need to change you know your behavior and make sure it sticks, and then there's a heavy accountability. So what would you say to a person who has possibly considered utilizing a coach mm-hmm. but doesn't quite understand the benefit of having a coach? I would say that that person... Would, should talk to other people that have worked with coaches mm-hmm. and try you know, working with the coach temporarily to see how you feel with working with a coach. Mm-hmm. And then you can actually see the benefits yourself in a short period of time because you are working with someone, like I said, who's holding you accountable and you see improvement. You're able to follow a plan. You're able to get things done. Mm-hmm. Now, what would you say is your favorite um, part or what do you love most about being a coach? I love seeing people um, just getting excited about 
the steps that they're taking to move forward. Mm -hmm. And I also like how they are surprised. It's like, oh, you know, they have these these aha moments. Mm -hmm. And those are the things that, those are the two main things that excite me about being a coach. Now, you spent almost three decades in public service. Mm -hmm. What made you decide, okay, I'm going to retire from this. Okay. And embark upon my own journey. Okay. Well, federal law says that FBI agents cannot work past a certain age. Mm. I met that, and I knew it was coming up. (laughs) She said, I hit that. (laughs) And um, so I knew it was coming. And although they asked me to stay a year, you can um, you can stay a year after you know you meet that 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 age. Mm-hmm. But I decided, well, I want to do something on my own, and I always decided I wanted to be an entrepreneur. My mother was an entrepreneur. What did your mom do? Even though she she had a full time job, she worked for the state of Colorado, but she had like Beeline when it was you know way back when, and then uh-huh. she became a, a Mary Kay consultant, okay, and was very very successful. And enjoyed, you know, working on her own and instilled, you know, you have to work, work smart. Mm-hmm. I don't like to say work hard, but work smart. And um, like Alexander and you brought up earlier, it's 24 hours a day, mm-hmm. um, seven days a week. But there, there are times when you need to uh, have a balance and take care of yourself as well because you right. don't want to run yourself down. <laughs> but it's just exciting to just kind of like, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And then getting all the ideas. And, yes. Um, you want to plot this and plot that, and sometimes I keep actually I keep a pad by my bed, so when I'm in when I'm sleeping and all of a sudden I have an idea come up, <laughs> I have to write it down. Like yeah. you have a dream, like ooh, I gotta write that one down. Yes, that- or, or when I when I write articles, or if I'm going to do public speaking, I get ideas coming up. And oh, so you write? What do you, what do you write about? I write um, like just blogs. Okay. And where can, where can we read some of your articles? Writings? Well, on my website. Okay. And also, I've, I've written articles on LinkedIn. Okay. And I started a book about a year ago, and it's slow going. So I'm going to congratulate you when I heard, heard that you got your book written. <laughs> like, what are the secrets <laughs> to getting Thank it you. done? Oh, I have plenty to share. Plenty to share. Yeah. Actually, our retreat, I think I'm going to do a, um, a woman behind the business, like launching your book. Okay. Because I feel like there's so many women who have a story inside of them and they just don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. And my book, I started officially writing it in August uh-huh. and launched it and it was printed everything by March. Oh my goodness. I need your secrets. So I can just get this going. I have my the woman who's um, working with, who's going to publish it for me is mm-hmm. always okay, Denise, when are you going to write your book? When are you going to finish your book? So I have notes and I have all these pages and everything, but I just haven't put it together yet. Yeah, Yeah. and it's on leadership, you know, cultivating leadership from within. And one of our other members, um, I kind of gave her a deadline too, and I made her a speaker at an event. And I told her I wanted it as an e-book available Mm -hmm. to participants. So when you light a fire under people and tell them, hey, you have a deadline and this is when it's needed by, they get it done. Oh, okay. And if you think about it, um, one of our former um, guests on the show, uh, Ms. Tressa Azarel, Mm -hmm. um, she often talks about how, you know, if somebody walked in here and said, hey, you got six weeks to write this book. Uh-huh. And if you write this book in six weeks, I'm going to give you $40,000. Are Ooh, you going to write that book? You better believe I'm going to write that book. Okay. <laughs> so you have to think about it from the mindset of, 
okay, this is what I need to do for me because Uh on the other side of this is Mm -hmm. that $40,000 or more in book sales and then the excitement of doing a book tour. And even for you, if it's on leadership, now this is something that you can offer to your, you know, your, um, your clients. Absolutely. As another way of, okay, generating revenue. Yes. 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 Yeah. (laughs) So, We've come to the point in the show where we're going to get ready for our moments from the valley. Okay. You ladies got your moments ready? Yes, I have my Alex moments Alex over ready. there looking like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm going to give you a little time to like, just make sure you got your thoughts together, mm-hmm. ready to go. And we're going to head over and check out our WBB health tips with Dr. Tia Hill. We've come to the Women Behind the Business Health Tips with Dr. Tia Hill. Today, we are going to talk about caregiving and the importance of making sure that you are pouring into yourself so that you can effectively pour into the ones that you are caring for. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Hill. Hello. Thank you for having me. All right. So talk to me about caregiving. Caregiving is one of the trickiest conversations because the average person assumes that we're talking about kids. Mm -hmm. And I'm not today. I'm talking about adults. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of us are young, flourishing women who have parents who are aging. Um, And if we have to help take care of them, we too need to understand how and how to take care of ourselves in the midst of that. And I know coming from uh, my former uh, place of employment that a lot of times people don't realize it's a full-time mm-hmm. job, right? It is. And it's a lot, in my opinion, harder mm-hmm. than taking care of a child. It is. Because a child you're you know, raising and you're teaching, but a grown person, they already set in their ways. Yeah. And if you the child, don't be surprised if they say, don't forget, I'm your mama. That is true. That is true. And, you know, especially when they go through Alzheimer's or dementia, Mm -hmm. you know, that is another, I don't like to say monster, but monster Mm -hmm. that you see your parent aging in front of you Mm -hmm. and they are actually turning into like a Mm three-year-old or a four-year-old. And so finding good quality care, finding a provider or a assisted living or a nursing facility that you can, that can work with you is a that's very difficult finding quality care where you trust the fees to take care of your aging parent um, making sure that you have the provisions in place to, for long-term care if that needs to be the situation um, and all of those other aspects from medication Medicare Medicaid and what the supplemental insurances do and do not cover and how you do get to have a balance with that because that it, itself is actually two full-time jobs now how can can this have an effect on my health? You were taking care of someone else and you have a husband and kids. So you're taking care of your mother, your husband, your kids. And when are you taking care of you? Well, when if it's just me and my mom? Well, if it's just you and your mother still, because of the same token, you're providing for her. Mm-hmm. You're making sure all of those bills are taken care of. You're making sure your bills are taken care of and that you have quality staff. If you need to go to a meeting, if you have to stay late at work, you have to make sure that someone is there. So you're always still in a parental mode mm-hmm. of trying to make sure that you have the quality coverage for your mother. Okay, so I'm going to throw a monkey wrench out there. Just because sure. I like being the devil's advocate sometimes. All right. So let's say that I am one of five children mm-hmm. and I am the only one stepping up yes. to take care of our aging parent or parents. Mm-hmm. And I'm really having a hard time communicating to my siblings that, yo, I need help. 
or you feel like I shouldn't have to ask. They know what I'm going through. What do you recommend for that individual? Because I think that um, mentally that can be very taxing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that a lot of times they just, they don't even want to have the conversation because they don't want to deal with what could possibly be said. True. Um, you're probably going to be shocked at what I'm about to say. I have encountered this a lot, and I've always told the person that is taking care of their parent that at this season, if you've had those, con- you've had some people who've had the conversation, they know what the response is. Either ask for monetary help, or just know that it's on you for this time. And it, what it does is it relieves the expectation. Because when you're continuing to take care of someone and you're like, oh, they they ought to do it. They ought to do it. It actually lets you start to harbor and to hold some resentment. Mm -hmm. And then you get frustrated with your mother or father for providing for them. And you subconsciously can take that out on them and you don't even know it. Mm -hmm. So it comes to that point where you have to accept I'm the one that's stepping up to do this. And if no one's going to help me, it's okay. We're going to do it regardless. That does take time. It also means you're going to have to forgive them, whether they do it or not. It's also going to have to be a sincere forgiveness so that you can continue to be able to think clear, focus, and help with your mother or father. Wow. I mean, it's a very real response. Um, So, yes. Awesome. Well, hopefully this has been a blessing to some of our <laughs> listeners. Because Keep it up. You yeah. You're doing good. That's today's <laughs> Woman Behind the Business Health Tip. Thank you, Dr. Tia Hill. And if you want more information, visit us online at wbbtalk.com. Okay, ladies, are you ready? Yes. Yep. Alex? Okay. <laughs> well, Alex, since you were our first guest, we're going to start with you. Okay. Um, so go for it. Oh, wow. A moment in the valley. Um, it's just kind of funny for me because I was actually in Silicon Valley (laughs) when I had my moment in the valley. (laughs) But, um, one of the low moments for me as an entrepreneur was, um, I was working on a startup, um, in Silicon Valley. Um, I had invested a lot of time, money, energy, and effort in the startup and upon um, receiving funding, I end up finding out that the ownership equity that I had in the company was redistributed without my knowledge to a lesser percentage. And um, for me, it was a pivotal moment and learning experience to know that, yes, you can work with people. Yes, you can trust and care about them. But business is business. And to make sure that I do my due diligence tirelessly to make sure that I get what I'm owed and that I'm not finessed out of time, money, and energy when an opportunity arises. Mm. Wow. How much money you lose? Um, I lost, um, this was pre-funding, but I lost a significant amount of ownership equity. Mm-hmm. So it was originally 50-50, and um, my equity percentage was reduced to under 10%. Mm-hmm. Girl, I, I was crying. <laughs> well, how's the business doing now? Um, now that business is out of business, and I think that's indicative of how you treat people. You know what I'm saying? Karma right. is a... 
it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But it is what it is. But it was it served as a great learning experience. I would agree. And I love your uh, sound effects. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> All right, Denise. Well, my Valley moment was when my business partner decided that she wanted to do something else. And I was left with, am I going to continue the business? Or how can I handle it on my own? Um, we worked very well together. And I was very frightened. And, you know, it's, it's harder, I, I thought, you know, to work with just yourself. And not, and so I, we, we, we balance each other out very well. And so when she left, it was like half, half of myself or half of the business was gone. And um, through coaching, I was able to decide that I was going to continue on with the business and that I could do it. And what I've done was surround myself, surrounded myself with uh, powerful women, strong women um, that I, coll- I collaborate with a woman a lot on different training methods. And, um, and she also sometimes works with me. And I also have a woman that's working on my marketing mm. and um, also working with um, the women with the um, City Club um, Business Leaders uh, Committee. And to, I think as an entrepreneur, to make sure that wherever you are in your business, that you surround yourself with strong people, people that you can rely on, people that you can work with, so that you know if someone decides that they want to do something else, you'll, you still have that support. Mm-hmm. I like to say, just have a tribe that you can rely on to encourage you to keep going. Mm-hmm. And um, it's been a, a, a learning curve for me because it was half of the business that I wasn't uh, focused, focused on. on. I was mainly focused on business development. I really love networking. Um, I don't, don't look at me like that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I enjoy networking and meeting new people and building relationships. Mm-hmm. And being an entrepreneur, it's, it's all about the relationship. And that's how I'm able to have um, a boutique firm because and customize things because I learn about the customers or the client's business, what it is they want to achieve, what's the end goal that they want. Um, and so it's just all about building relationships. Now, how long ago did she leave? 2016. Oh, yes. Recent. Yes, yes. So, um, but I've got the business back up on its feet and it's thriving and it's doing well. And um, it's, it's fun. It's back to being fun. Now, what would you say would be your ideal client? My ideal client are clients who want to, who see learning and development versus training. Learning and development, because if you're going to change behavior or become aware of who you are and understand your impact on others and make those changes, it's over time. So my ideal client would have a training program that they would want to have throughout the year on you know various topics that involve let's say leadership or diversity and inclusion and and want to work on that not the check the box mm-hmm. where it's like okay well we're just going to have a training and just check the box mm-hmm. because training is something you know you can learn from that and because I do experiential training and where you you learn the concepts I'm a master facilitator it, and that facilitation and coaching are, are similar, whereas the adult learner is able to take what was being learned and apply it to you know, their work situation mm-hmm. or apply it to understanding who they are. Mm-hmm. And how about you, Alex? Like, who's your ideal client? Um, my ideal client is um, 
like she was talking about before, someone who is coachable. But um, like I said, I work with companies who are at the seed stage. So if you're at the idea stage, you need um, help hashing out what you're trying to do. I like people that are at that seed level so that they can kind of, they're not stuck in their ways yet. Mm -hmm. So they're still mold, they're able to be molded. And um, I like seeing the creativity that they have to flush out their ideas. Now, just curious, like funding wise and Mm -hmm. um, cost wise Mm -hmm. for, you know, somebody to, you know, undergo 90 days of training with you, Mm -hmm. like, how does that look financially? Well, I have packages. Mm-hmm. And so instead of doing hourly, it's a package just based on if they're going to do 90 days, it's, it's, a, it's $1,200. Mm. And, you know, if they go longer, it's a little, it's an increased little price. And, and now just, what, what would you say or what have you heard people say has been the re- return on their investment? Well, I have uh, a few... Um, now let moments. me tell y'all. Wait a second. Let me tell y'all. She she got real set up, real nice and proud. Like, well, let me tell you. <laughs> let me just paint this picture for y'all. She and she's so like quiet and laid back, and then she's like, yeah. <laughs> let me tell you about that. Okay, go ahead. Well, from clients, you know, um, a woman became, got a promotion, and um, we became a director of her diversity and inclusion program. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, they weren't. The company wasn't sure whether she was going to make that next step. Mm-hmm. And there are uh, people who are like, oh, I see a difference in their communication. So they have a vision and they are creative. So from the clients, they see their their improvement and then they just let me know. And I'm just excited about that. Now, do you capture those testimonials and have them scrolling on your website or posted on your social media? I'm working on it. <laughs> um, I'm going to need your marketer to do better. Yes, I hope ma'am. she's listening. <laughs> <laughs> now, she's been on my case, really. She's okay. been on my case. That's what her job is. What you mean, your case? Let me stop. Okay. And then how about you for um, pricing? So um, it really depends on what the service is. But if it's like for basic business planning and um, lifestyle planning for an entrepreneur, I start at $2,000. And um, I think that's a testament to the investment that you're making in yourself and in your business. So mm-hmm. you've actually met you actually met um, one of my students at, oh. the mor- at your morning show interview yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Yesterday we were well, I was on Good Morning Washington talking about about the book, mm-hmm. and um, a young lady had come in and she uh, has a skincare mm-hmm. or she's a um, she's a um, esthetician yeah, and Anastasia Camira Spa. Yeah. Yes. And um, we just started talking, and uh, Alex had also kind of reposted that I was on. Um, on the morning show mm-hmm. and the young lady was like oh my god I met her today and you know it was just really nice like just to see you, you how you mentioned networking you just never know who knows who exactly and the power of just taking a leap of faith and just speaking to people mm-hmm. I feel like today like people are so like anti talking and sharing information a simple high like I had already come off air I was talking to the producer 
And in she walked with all her little stuff and she put everything down. She just walked up to us. Hi, my name is. Hi, my name is. Mm-hmm. And then from that, it just sparked a conversation. Right. Um, and she now, likes networking then. Exactly. Exactly. But a lot for people who are afraid to speak or they are an introvert, you have it's OK. Mm-hmm. The worst that, you know, they're going to do is not speak or, you know. Right. It shouldn't hurt your, your feelings. Like, <laughs> Take nothing personally. Yes, definitely mm-hmm. not as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And so any last minute thoughts, ladies, before we wrap up? We've come to the end of the show. Join the woman behind the business. Oh, <laughs> come to the retreat in the Nassau Bahamas. Join our like network. Um, be active in our community. Oh, and to get and to get more information about um, my company, Morton Consulting Group, you can visit us online www.mortonmortonconsultinggroup.com. And if you're on Instagram, you can follow me at the T H E Alexandra A L E X A N D R A Morton M O R T O N. Well, my last words are: check out Mindspring Metro DC. It's www.mindspringmetrodc.com. Hmm. And also, it's just fun being an entrepreneur, and it's just exciting being a coach, and uh, I love networking, and perhaps when you log into my website, send me a note, and we can start talking. Sounds good. Well, thank you both for sharing your journeys with us today, with us and our listeners. Um, And that is our show for today. Please be sure to check out past broadcasts on our website, wbbtalk.com, and pick up your copy of the Washington Informer to see the woman behind the business spotlight section tomorrow. And of course, follow us on social media at wbbtalk. A special thank you to our show producer, Kyle Murdoch, and our program director, Max Myrick. Until next time, stay blessed.